I'm Crystal Escobar and I'm here with my husband, Sean. Today we're going to be talking about conscious parenting. This is episode number 46. Welcome to the Wannabe Balanced Podcast, encouraging you to become the best version of yourself as you strive for balance in motherhood and business. Self-made millionaires, Sean and Crystal Escobar, will help you discover your passion and offer valuable insight into how you can make your dreams come true. And now your host, author, blogger, YouTuber, and wannabe balanced mom, Crystal Escobar. Welcome back, everyone. I'm here with Sean today. We are going to talk a little bit about some of some more of our realizations, some things that we continue to see as we are reevaluating. I feel like we're constantly reevaluating our lives, even back like 10 years ago or maybe like yeah I think the first I think we have little awakenings throughout our lives and I think one of the first awakenings that I had around my life as a mom was when I started uh, looking with my I was pregnant with my third baby and I started looking into um, different ways of giving birth I never really thought of considering natural birth because I just was going along with what the majority of people were doing. I never really questioned, well, is this safe? Is this good? Like, is there um, a different way? And then I somehow came across the documentary, The Business of Being Born. And that was like my first awakening that I can remember since knowing Sean, where I thought, hmm, why did I just blindly follow and think that I am just going to have a baby in the hospital. I'm going to have an epidural and just, and even get induced. I got induced with my first two pregnancies and I just did it the way I thought that everyone was doing it. And then I decided, hmm, maybe there are different ways of doing this. Maybe I can choose. Maybe I get to decide how I want to give birth. And then that led me into the path of natural birth and home birth. And it was a really cool, amazing experience to decide on me my own and to do my own research and to to mix things up and do things differently than I thought I was supposed to do and then um and then that led into homeschooling that was also another thing where I thought hmm is home is is public school the the only option is that the best option and so we experimented with with homeschool for a few years and that's a whole different story but I definitely learned a lot in in with that experience and in that process and and I think Sean and I both ever since we've known each other I think we have that in common where we kind of like to try to do things differently and um, I think Sean really does inspire me in that sense he's more of that kind of person who is always thinking outside of the box and I think that he's been a huge influence on me in that way to consider what I'm doing and why I'm doing it and if it's really the right thing for me or or our kids or our marriage. We just, I think there's just so much that goes into the conditioning and our background and everything that we were exposed to as children and throughout our lives. We tend to live life on autopilot. We just do what we've always done without really considering any other option. And 
that's been, you know, and then this whole religion thing has been a, another awakening for us where we've realized, wait a minute, wait a minute, what are we doing here? Like, is this really, is this really us? Is this really what we believe? Is this really right for us? And we just started questioning. And, you know, there's just a lot of different things that we have done throughout our marriage, I think, that, oh, and another thing that we do differently is we live in two homes. And I don't know when you know, half the year we're in St. George, the other half of the year we're in Salt Lake. And we just try new things and, and we're, we're willing to step outside of the box to learn and to grow. And they don't always turn out right. Like homeschooling didn't turn out the way I wanted it to. (laughs) I had such high expectations. And like I said, that's a whole nother podcast, but I, I think that it's, it's important that we all wake up a little bit and and ask ourselves is this really the right way is this right for me is this right for our marriage or is this right for our kids and it's different for everyone so i'm not saying i don't want to um this podcast is not about uh sharing what we know to be true or claiming that we have all the answers but we are definitely trying new things and we are learning so much in the process and so since leaving our lifelong religion, parenting has been the topic of conversation for us throughout the last eight months or so, wondering, well, how does this change how we parent? And do we do things differently? How do we teach them morals and values without a religion? And so it's been something that we've been really trying to figure out and decide how does that look outside of a religion and it's been fun though because we really get to take it into our own hands and we get to decide how do we want to parent our children and we were recently I read the book The Conscious Parent and we wanted to talk a little bit about some of the things that we're learning in that book Sean's reading it right now and so we've been tr- really trying to reevaluate and analyze the way we've been doing things as parents and and considering the possibility that maybe that's not the right way. Maybe we're just doing what we were taught growing up. Maybe we're doing what we think is right according to the majority of people. There's like a million parenting books out there and we're taught to do things a certain way and what I love about the conscious parent, Shafali Sabari, she really opens our eyes to a new way of thinking and kind of throwing out all those old systems that we have been unconsciously following, thinking that, well, that's what my parents did. So I think that's the way to do it. That's what the majority of people are doing. So that's probably the way to do it. But she really helps you open up your eyes to a new perspective and reevaluate the way you're doing it and think differently about it, which has been exciting for me because it, it makes me realize that as we are awakening into this new level of consciousness, we ourselves are realizing that, oh, well, maybe positioning ourselves as parents, as the authority and as the ones who are in charge and who own our children, maybe there's a different way of viewing ourselves as parents and our children. And so, I mean, I just want to talk a little bit about the things that 
Sean and I have been discussing lately around this topic. And it's funny because just a couple weeks ago, I was trying to, you know, sit all the kids down and have like this formal lesson on Sunday, thinking that's my job as a mom to, to prepare these lessons and to make sure that I'm teaching my kids the things that they need to know, which I still believe. But I, what Sean helped me realize that maybe there's a different way of teaching (laughs) instead of just sitting your children down and having this lesson prepared and teaching them the way I've been taught growing up through school and through in Sunday school. And what Sean made me realize is that, you know, there are other ways to teach. Share what you were saying about scouts. and Oh, yeah. Sure. So my mom would put me in scouts and, uh, and it was supposed to be an important thing, you know, that we go to scouts. Uh, but I really didn't like it. Uh, they would always sit us down and then they would talk to us at length and we would sit there with a manual and we'd have to do these things in a manual and we'd have to check all these things off and in an effort to earn these merit badges. Well, it was all talking. I mean, it just felt like talking, 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 talking. And I I didn't like it. I really didn't enjoy it. And so my mom would have to drag me to scouts. And so finally she gave up and stopped making me go to scouts. But the reason I, it wasn't that I didn't love adventuring and the outdoors and learning and, and, you know, I just wanted to do things. And so it, it's funny because even when I was in the scouts as a leader, they put you in this box and they say, this is what you do. And this is what you teach. And these are the lessons. And, and it's frustrating because it's like, well, I hated that as a kid. So why do I, why am I going to do that to other kids? You know, but if you look at kids, it's funny because we keep doing the same thing over and over with kids, but there's a reason that they're, you know, that they're not able to answer, you know, what did you learn? They don't know. And the reason they don't know is that's feedback. They're giving you feedback that they didn't get it or they're not interested or the way you're teaching it isn't enticing and isn't appetizing. So what can you do differently? And in my opinion, kids learn through doing that's my opinion. Yeah. And so that Sunday when I was trying to teach a lesson on gratitude and the kids were just like so not into it and I was getting frustrated and I was getting frustrated at Sean because I wanted him to kind of jump in and, and teach something, you know, add to it. And I was like, come on, I just need some help here. I'm trying to teach a lesson. And Sean just jumps in and says, hey, how about we show gratitude for our dogs? Let's all go give the dogs a bath. And I was like, oh, that's a really great idea. See, and it was just nice because he made me realize that it's more about doing, it's more about being than it is about sitting down and having this lesson. And that's just kind of the way we've, we think is the best way to teach children because that's the way we were taught growing up. Can I just say about that, you think of me, you know, being raised in a very religious culture and my brother being raised in a very religious culture, my sister being raised in a very religious culture, and we're sat down all the time and instructed, 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 and yet all the things they're telling kids not to do, 
they all go do it. That's what's so funny when you think about it. Like all the Mormon kids, they all try alcohol. They all fool around with the the opposite sex, whether it's petting or whatever. Um, they all try stealing here or there. We we have to experience life in order to to realize what works or what doesn't work for us. And if you're sitting there going, well, my kids never did any of that, you're wrong. And I bet you did some of that (laughs) because that's life. Welcome to life. Welcome to living. And all of those lessons, all the formality, all the getting dressed and going and getting, you know, indoctrinated and instructed, it didn't make any difference. So why keep doing it? Yeah. I I loved that Sean kind of opened my eyes in that sense and made me realize that, hey, we don't have to keep doing things the way we've always done. Let's try to think of a new approach. And so that was a really, that was like an aha moment for me. And that also reminds me of how I tried to homeschool. And the reason why it didn't really pan out the way I wanted was because I was trying to do it exactly the way they do it in public school. So why would I even try homeschooling if I was going to just try to do it exactly the way the public school is doing it. I might as well just send them to school. And, and that's what I ended up doing because I, I felt so much pressure to conform and to make sure that my kids were learning exactly the same things as all the other students in public school, that the pressure became too much and I just couldn't do it anymore. And I was overwhelmed and feeling like so much worry that my kids might not be as smart as all the other kids. And so I, I gave in and put him back into public school. Plus, I just felt like it was it, it does require a lot of my time. And that was one thing that I had a hard time um, admitting was that I do enjoy having time to do the things that I love to do. And when I was homeschooling, I had no time. And I became really frustrated and angry a lot. <laughs> Sean remembers <laughs> Just because I realized that I wasn't giving myself the time that I needed to do the things that I I wanted to do, like learn and to and you know, discover different passions and and you know with my blog and all the things that I do, it's it's something that really fulfills a huge need for me. So I realized that was one of the lessons that I learned from attempting homeschool. But mostly, I realized that. I was trying to just do it exactly the way the public school was doing. And it was, um, Sean was telling me a couple of weeks ago about uh, another mom that he was talking to at one of Oliver's soccer games who homeschools. And I really was like, uh, it was profound what she said. Tell me what, again, what she said about how she homeschools. Yeah. So she just, <laughs> uh, her name's Tiffany and cool gal, but she just kind of does it her way. And she just removes all expectation or all any any kind of public pressure, social pressure, cultural pressure. She doesn't care. Uh, the way she ab- addresses it is she's like, I teach my kids life skills. I teach them things that are going to help serve them in their life, teach them how to thrive in life, uh, things that are applicable, things that actually work. So I'm not going to spend a bunch of time on algebra. I'm not going to spend a bunch of time on, on uh, you know, uh, conjugation. Who cares? 
you know, who cares? Who's ever going to ask you what an adverb is? Who, who's ever going to ask you what is an adjective? Nobody cares. And so she says, and you're not going to use it. And we spend all this time and we wear these kids out and, and all this, you know, fill time. We'll call it filler. We're filling time with all this stuff that they need to learn. In reality, what do we need to know to operate and to thrive in life? Life skills. And so she says, I just let my kids gravitate towards what they want to learn about and I let them pursue that, and then I teach them life skills all the time. I, I let them pump the gas. I let them, you know, pay the bills. I let them, uh, you know, uh, charge the credit cards. I, I let them do everything that I do in life to teach them how to live, and that's my motivation. And anyway, I mean, I don't have any kind of way of judging if <laughs> if this is efficacious for her, but she seems really happy, and she seems like, you know, she really has great kids, and and, uh, but anyway, to someone like me, that made a lot of sense because I could have done better in school. I had a 3.7 accumulative GPA because I, you know, there was incentive. My parents said, if you get good grades, you, you know, you get to have a car and all this stuff. There was incentive, but I could have done better. I could have applied myself a lot more, but I really hated it. I hated school with a passion. I tried to coast because it wasn't, I, I sat there all the time, even my son, who's 10 years old, almost 10. And what does he say almost on a daily basis? Why is my teacher teaching me about such and such? I will never use that information in my life for the rest of my life. Why do I have to know it? And I can't help, I can't argue with that. I can't, I can't argue with that. But, you know. Yeah, but then there comes, there, then it all comes down to, well, are you willing to to do that. And right now I feel like I'm not willing to do homeschool. And so I can admire that other people are doing it and I love her approach and I admire that. And, but yeah, it's not, it's not like we're saying, you know, this is the right way. This is the way everybody should do it. It's just, I, I do appreciate people who are thinking outside of the box and questioning and wondering, well, is this really the most effective and is there a different way? And it's one of the things I love about the book you're having me read, The Conscious Parent, and I've only listened to a couple hours of it, but one of the things is she says, you know, none of this stuff really matters, and, you know, yet she says, I'm my kid's in public school because I'm too selfish to homeschool. Yeah. She just admitted she says, it. I'm not that dedicated, but... Yeah, she's like, hey, I do unto my kid what was done unto me, and, and I, I, it's just the way that it is. Yeah. But But she says, you know, I'm not going to beat my kid up if they come home with a C or a D, she says, I don't really care because that's my child's life experience and I don't want to remove that. I don't want to take that away from my child. See, we put these expectations on kids because of, you know, again, uh, image, you know, do, do we want to look good? You know, we want to look like we've got it all together. We look at our kids like they're an extension of us Mm -hmm. and we want our kids to, to be successful and we want them to be good athletes and we want them to be skilled at singing or dancing and we're living through them. And we're forgetting that even we're parenting them like me. I've made the mistake so often of talking down to my kids and and dominating my kids. But these are souls and they're not me. They're not me. They're independent souls. And so learning to remove any expectation or learning to remove that sense of image uh, is really powerful. Yes, you nailed it. That's exactly one of my favorite parts of what she talks about is we tend to parent from our ego and it has more to do with how we are being perceived, not only by others, but by our own children. And that's one thing that I'm realizing. And it's been a hard 
thing for me to recognize about myself and realize that I've had this um, this expectation of myself of being the perfect mom and and Sean knows oh which this this will um, tie into the next thing I wanted to talk about but Shafali Sabari the author of the book The Conscious Parent she says that um, so it was just funny when she realized the the new direction she wanted to take as a therapist and as an author she wanted to change everything that we've always thought to be true about parenting and it was not the most popular thing for her to do it's it was um more unheard of back when she first wrote this book and it's becoming more accepted now as people begin to wake up and realize that hmm, maybe what we're doing is not the only way maybe there's a new way and she says that um at, at first she thought is this really worth it? She had a lot of backlash and she thought to herself, do, is it worth it to do this? To go against the most offensive of all species, the parent? <laughs> which reminds me, which I thought was so funny because Sean always helps me realize how defensive I get when it comes to my role as a mother. And anytime he tries to give me some constructive criticism, I'm just like, oh no, you didn't. <laughs> Don't you even. Yeah, how many times has she... How many times have I said anything? Like if I say, oh, look, that chair's out of place. It's like she, she'll snap and pop a gasket. <laughs> you think I'm a bad mother? And I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> it is really funny because I do. I get really, I'm sensitive about that. And I think a lot of parents are, maybe me a little more than most. But I do take things personally and I get really defensive and I get my feelings hurt easily. When If Sean says anything, I take it personal and I instantly go to, he thinks I'm a bad mom, which he never, ever says. <laughs> so it is um, something that I'm trying to realize about myself and trying to be better about and to not put so much pressure on myself as a mom. That mommy guilt is intense. So within the past, well, I think it's only been a year, but Sean says it's been longer <laughs> that I haven't been that great about making meals. Like I go through phases. Why did you have to say that? <laughs> you said that. You think it's such and such, but Sean says it's longer. I have no expectation. Yeah, he doesn't. And that's the thing is I, I've been taking it personally because I think he expects me to make these fancy elaborate meals every night because that's what I think a, a, a good mom does. And Sean has never said that to me. He's never made me feel pressure that that's something that I'm supposed to be doing. That's all me. That's all something that, you know, has to do with the culture or, you know, being brought up in this religion, having this ideal, um, this perfect image of a mom in my mind and feeling like I need to live up to that and making dinners has not is not my favorite thing to do. And so I'll go through phases, I'll do really well and I'll make really good meals and be really organized when it comes to that. But then I go through long phases where I don't make meals. Of course my kids are getting fed, but it's like freezer meals and easy dinners, quick throw it together kind of stuff. And and to me I would over time I'm causing myself to feel like I'm not a good mom because of that and many other things that I feel like I'm falling short. And But this has been something that's kind of been brought to my awareness lately because the other night Lily got gets home late and is hungry and it's like 10 o'clock and I'm like, what? She's like, you never make dinners. And so I was frustrated that she was expecting a dinner at 10 o'clock at night 
And then I also realized that, yeah, that is kind of true. I haven't really been good about making dinners. And I knew instantly that she was comparing me with other moms because she was hanging out at other friends' houses and they probably have these nice meals prepared for their kids. And so I instantly go into this dark place of, you know, I just went to bed <laughs> bawling like she thinks I'm the worst mom. Maybe I am the worst mom because I haven't been making these nice meals and the other moms are better than me and just going on and on. And And Sean is always really good about helping me realize that, you know, making fancy, elaborate meals every night does not qualify you as a good mom. That Who says that that, that means that's what a good mom is? There's so many definitions of a good mom and that looks different for everyone. And so what I realized that I had to do was let go of the expectation on myself and also realize that my kids will probably compare me with other moms. I did it to my mom. I did it to my parents all growing up. And that's kind of part of their process, the things that they will do. And I can't take it personally. I can't let that make me feel like I'm not a good mom. I need to realize all the other things that I do and my other strengths and maybe making meals is not one of them. That doesn't mean I'm a bad mom. So this is something that I'm really realizing about myself and this high expectation that I had of myself and this this mile long list of things that I think qualifies me as a good mom. And if I'm not doing all of them, then I'm not a good mom. If you said to me, what makes a good mother or what makes a good father? Um, you know, there's no like certifications, there's no courses, there's, uh, I'm not aware of anything that you can like get a, a badge or anything that you're the, the perfect dad or the perfect mom. But I think, um, I think what makes good kids is spending time with our kids. Um, and that, w- one of the things in the book or in the interview you sent me, Crystal, uh, there's a man and he's talking about, Hey, you know, I try to spend time with my kid. Uh, I want to sit down and I want to show him, you know, uh, read the encyclopedia, read the encyclopedia and watch documentaries together. And this was his idea of spending time with his kid. But he says, my kid's always on these video games. And then I see the kid on the video game. And then I make an excuse of, Oh, well, he's doing that. And I kind of want to have my own time. So, so then we don't spend any time together. And she kind of laughs and she says, well, think about what you just said. Think about what you wanted to do with your kid. You made it about what you want. Uh, why do you think your kid doesn't want to do that with you? And the point is, you know, surrendering our own agenda uh, and spending time with the kids doing what they want to do. I really think that that's how we connect with our kids. And, and I think that good kids come as a result of, of spending time with us. I believe that. Yeah, definitely. That's something that I have had to learn about myself, too, because all the things that I envisioned that I would do with my kids before having kids, it was all things that I wanted to do and what I wanted out of my kids. And and I wanted them to be so smart. I wanted them to be talented and well-behaved. And this is all stuff that about me. This is what I wanted. And it was like an extension, like Sean said, an extension of me wanting to prove myself that I'm a good person. I'm a good mom. Look at these kids that I've raised. And it does, we tend to do that as parents. We, um, we use our kids as a way to show that we are good, that we have worth and, and trying to prove ourselves in that way through our kids. And I do, I am having to learn to let go of the things that I want to do with my kids and just allow them to choose 
the things that we do together. And and to go back really quickly, one thing I wanted to mention about making dinners and another thing that Sean pointed out to me is first, it, it it's important to acknowledge and accept the way you are and have no no judgment around it. And, you know, like I'm sitting here trying to make up excuses for why I'm not making dinners and I come up with a whole list of reasons why I don't do it. And, and Sean is in no way trying to make me feel bad about myself he's trying to help me realize hey just just admit it you don't like making dinners and I just didn't want to admit it (laughs) I just had to have all these excuses and Sean's like no you just need to admit it but also know that that doesn't mean anything about you Sean you're amazing a good example a good example to put the shoe on the other foot is you know for 20 years or or however I mean forgive me for 13 years since I've been a father, um, I've thought, I don't like church. I don't like the formality. I don't like wearing those clothes. I don't like the feeling that I'm supposed to have this clean-shaven face and this, you know, cute little haircut. I just don't like anything about any of it, really. Um, There's so much I didn't like. It, It wasn't me. And here I have this feeling that, oh, because I'm not one of these, you know, gung ho spiritual guys that's so happy to be there and loves it that I'm a bad father. And so for me to carry that for all that time, that's really not right. And that's unhealthy because because just because someone loves to go to church and loves to put on those clothes and loves to have that haircut and loves to have that clean shaven face and just that doesn't make them a good father. That doesn't even make them a spiritual person. And so for me to realize that, you know, hey, uh, I don't like that stuff, okay? I always faked that I liked it. I was always faking that I liked it and probably making a bunch of excuses like you're talking about. Mm -hmm. But in reality, I didn't like it. And it feels good to say that. It doesn't feel criminal or sacrilegious. I didn't like it. That wasn't me. Never was. And I'm a better father not faking that. Yeah, that reminds me of what Eckhart Tolle says. He says, being a spiritual person is not about what you believe, but about how conscious you are. And I think in both of these scenarios that Sean and I have mentioned, we are realizing that about ourselves. That is a form of consciousness when we are aware of how we operate and just simply aware without judgment. So yeah, I just, I think it's just... um, I, I just am really grateful for all the things that Sean's helping me realize it. But it, I mean, it sounds beautiful in the podcast, but it doesn't, <laughs> there's a lot of arguments that come with this <laughs> and defensive and yelling and fighting about it because I don't want to accept it. And so I, I get mean and defensive and we fight and argue, but in the end we can come together in love and I can be grateful for the things that Sean's making me aware of. So thank you, Sean. <laughs> Uh, But another thing I wanted to mention that Sean helped me about with the whole dinner thing, Sean first was like, just admit it. You don't like making dinners. But here's another idea. How about you help Lily? How about you have Lily participate in making the dinners? And I'm like, oh, duh. She's 13. She can cook by now. Why have I not thought of this? She actually enjoys cooking. (laughs) Yes. So I've been doing that the last two weeks. I've really, I've had Lily help me make the dinners. So we're having more dinners and Lily is happy because she she loves cooking and I don't know why I didn't think of this. So it's just funny how we get so used to doing what we've always done, expecting a different result. <laughs> so it's been fun. Lily's learning how to make 
dinners and she realizes now, Sean's like, this way it'll help her realize how much goes into making a meal. All the dishes, the time that it takes to prepare and the planning and the the frustration when people don't like it. Yes. You have to make <laughs> two or three, sometimes three different meals. And so it was, it's been a good, um, eye-opening experience to try this out and to incorporate Lily in making the dinners and and now we're all a lot happier. So the message we wanted to share today is to simply really evaluate what you're doing and and analyze, reevaluate and analyze what it is and decide, is this really working for us? Maybe there's a new way. It's time to think outside of the box. Yeah, and encourage you to, to listen to that book or to read the book because sometimes you need a cue. Sometimes you need a stimulus to help you understand that, you know, maybe the way you've always done things your whole life isn't necessarily right. Maybe what you've been doing robotically, uh, you know, kind of unconsciously even, uh, is, is not what you would necessarily choose for yourself. Um, and I've thought about this a lot in terms of career paths and education and marital status, uh, all kinds of things. Um, you know, it's good. It's, it's healthy to evaluate, would I choose this life for myself? This isn't even about, you know, pursue your dreams. You know, this isn't about like drop everything and move across the country and go become a whatever. No, it's not about that. It's just about taking inventory and saying, you know, would I, would the real inherent me, my true self, choose this life? Would I choose, you know, what I'm, the way I'm operating and the way I'm thinking? And so Crystal's been great for me that way because she's giving me lots of credit, but really, uh, if it wasn't for her, then uh, we wouldn't be making all of these changes and these shifts, uh, truly. Yeah, truly, we wouldn't because Crystal had a desire to grow. And she had this awareness, this moment when she realized, wait a minute, I am not happy spiritually. Why? Because I am stagnant and have been for years. Uh, and at that moment in time, that's where all of this great stuff has come from for us is because Crystal, she had the the courage to say, would I have chosen all of this if it wasn't basically put upon me, if it wasn't expected of me, if it wasn't, you know, required of me, then would I choose all of this? And, you know, and, and that question is powerful, really yeah. powerful. Thanks for listening to the Wannabe Balanced podcast. Get access to free resources available at wannabebalanced.com. If you love the show, then leave a review or share it with a friend. Until next week. <laughs>